The words have gotten all distorted. But what they meant to say was not reported. Welcome back to the show, Fortitudeers. Today is our Father's Day spectacular special. And first filming, did you notice I did the, uh, the it, like the cue right there for the video? We are currently, yes, we're currently working on our, our video uh, capabilities for the show. So um, look forward to seeing that and how that looks with our sweet looking faces. Who knew that Betamax was still alive and could be filmed in this <laughs> format? You would not imagine my makeup they have that I my face required to get on the show. Father's Day, Father's Day. So yes. I, I uh, what are so your big St- plans, Shada? Steve Wilson, love you. Thanks for being a good dad. Jody Payne, thank you. The deceased George, uh, appreciate you being putting me here on this earth. And last but not least, the old Bob Dyer. We lost him a year and a half ago. Oh, but yes, loved old Bob Dyer. So yeah. Thank you, dads out there. A couple of big other uh, news news stories before our special guest today. I think we had a new mayor uh, sworn in just recently. Is that we correct? did. Yes. On Tuesday evening, along with a host of new city council members and uh, what a, what a young and diverse group we have now. So um, I think that uh, the new mayor, Mayor Maddie said it uh, quite articulately. It's go time Fort Worth. I heard that as well. Mm-hmm. Well, good luck, Maddie. Hope you do a, well, a heck of a job. We're, we're we're rooting for you, so go do, do your thing. Yep. Uh, also, Brenton, on the uh, slate, Juneteenth was now is now as of this week uh, a new a federal holiday, a national federal holiday signed this past Thursday. Uh, while why that may, what makes this more relevant than just the credible news that it is. Uh, Fort Worth's own Opal Lee, ninety-four-year-old Opal Lee, was at the White House for the signing of this. Uh, Opal Lee is an activist, a very uh, vocal activist. Back in 2016, five years ago, Brenton, she walked from Fort Worth, Texas to DC, which is roughly 1,400 miles to bring awareness in this regard. Surely not on a June or uh, July day like today. I I don't know the date, but regardless, even if it was 71 degrees, (laughs) that's still incredible. Yeah, it is. Uh, As you know, Brenton, Juneteenth celebrates the freedom of the slaves nearly two and a half years after the Emancipation Proclamation. Uh, What's cool about this bill, it was a necessary thing and we need, there's also obviously lots of work to do, but this bill was sponsored by both Republicans and Democrats collectively. There was no fighting over this one. It was just like, this is, it's time. And it got done. So, well, and if you want to know how that relates to us, which all things do come back to us, it is because I do, I think that there was a movie that was made by uh, one of our interviewees um, who ran against Betsy Price, or excuse me, against Maddie this last time. Deborah Peoples' daughter was the one who made a movie about, I think it's called Miss Juneteenth. And that was oh, the right, movie. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. So, good job, Opal Lee. We hope to have you on the show. Uh, soon. I've reached out, so I hope to hear back if you're not too busy marching, which is an incredible feat at a woman her age, but keep keep it up. Sure. Uh, lastly, on the agenda, uh, TCU lost its uh, longtime baseball coach, um, Jim Slossenagel. We're going to miss saying that name, but he went off to Texas A&M to, play, to coach down there, mm. but they hired from within. Ooh, what, do they, what do they do? Whoop. Uh, whoop. Yep. Something <laughs> like that. Sorry, sorry Patrick, for the, uh, the bad whoop. Um, or McGee. But TCU did a really good thing. They hired from within after announcing a national search and, and hired uh, assistant Kirk Sarlos. Sarlos, Sarlos. Uh, we also reached out to Kirk Sarlos to come on the show as well, but he is well-loved. He's a player's coach. Everyone in the town thinks the guy's a fantastic You play at guy. TCU? Uh, he did not play at TCU, but he is, uh, he's been around a while. He's been uh, Slossenagel's assistant for some time. That's good. Um, don't know him that well, but I know he's a good guy because I know some of his friends, and they think he's the, the bee's knees. So. 
And now, Brenton, the bee's knees. What, get, a, what an expression! That's a, that's a that's a that's a Father's Day expression. Mm-hmm. Yes, well, it is. Now let's get to our special guest. Um, you're going to love this guy. His name is Scott Berkman. So get ready. Hold on tight. This guy's this guy's a trip. He's a good guy, but he's a, he's a, he got a heck of a storyteller too. So here we go. The words have gotten all distorted. Okay, Brenton, today we have a very special guest on Fortitude. This guy, you might say, is a friend to to Fort Worth. I say that because about everybody in Fort Worth who dines or goes out knows this guy. He's a very familiar face. He's a lovely guy, a wonderful guy. He is, uh, his name is Scott Berkman. Uh, Welcome to the show, Scott. Thank you, Jake. Hello, Scott. Welcome. Thank you. You might know Scott from such places as Ellerby's or uh, Waters or previously Bistro Louise in the the prior life. Yep. Uh, But there was somewhere before, too. I opened um, Silver Fox when I first got here. I think that's where I've met you before. I was there the first three and a half years, and I worked at Bistro Louise at the same time. Okay. I gave them a couple of nights, and then I worked a few days at Bistro Oh yeah. Every week. Prior to, prior to you, prior to being in Fort Worth though, you were a restaurateur in the California. In LA. LA. Yep. Four restaurants tell, in LA. Can you tell us about those? 14 years. I had, um, gone out to LA, the whole Dallas, um, crew that I used to hang out with. We just all moved to LA, just like single file, um, in the mid eighties and, um, did several TV shows and commercials and, and, um, Made a lot of money really quickly, um, a lot of partying really quickly. Um, was the partying better here? And that's or it was dying so down here. Yeah. It was it's dying the, down the here. The Star Club got raided, exactly. so LA we go. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you came to Fort Worth. Something must have drawn you. To well, this that town. was just coming back to family. I done. Okay. I had done enough in LA. I had my restaurants for fourteen years, um, and um, and and that was just babysitting. I mean, owning four restaurants, is, is, it comes down to babysitting. 188 employees, you know, every week uh, with the phone calls. Oh, I can't come in tonight. I can't do that. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I can't do this anymore. Um, so what was the most, um, the, the best excuse for not, for that wait staff not showing up to work or whomever oh, it was? It was the best I one. had Italian restaurants. So I had delivery drivers and I had indoor dining mm-hmm. and the delivery drivers were all from, um, from Brazil. So they partied hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, when you have, you know, 300 deliveries and a night at each restaurant, and then I'm down in Long Beach catering Titanic or I'm, I'm doing the 150th episode of friends or Hollywood squares was on back then with Whoopi Goldberg. And I would cater that I would be at different places. Oh yeah. So if I wasn't in the restaurant, the restaurant would get the call. They would call me at, or page me back then. We had pagers and it was just, it was a, just a bunch of kids, but they're from Brazil and they, party and they would go look for girls every, every night. Yeah. And yeah. I'm just like, boys, y'all got to you know, you want to make two or $300. You want to make a delivery to uh, Robert De Niro who lived in Venice or may still live there. I don't know. Or Dudley Moore, or I mean, all, all the stars lived. Sure. In Marina Del Rey and, and Venice where I had one restaurant and that's the one restaurant that 
everybody always called into it was like, oh, I just can't make it tonight. And I'm like, <clears throat> guys, you know, you can't have it. This is boy back in the day when Morton Downey Jr. was on and mm-hmm. Brad Garrett was just getting big and, and he, he had a delivery like every night. And I'm like, you know, these guys are, you know, $20 tippers. Well, to a little kid from Brazil, that's a lot of money. So yeah. they would sometimes make enough money and they're like, eh, I don't have to work for the rest of the weekend. You know, I made $300, you know, they paid the rent they'd, and now they're just going to go play. So it was a pain in the ass and it became just babysitting. Yeah. So, I so, just, so you come home to Fort Worth fa- for family reasons. Well, it came out well in 1999. I was up on the roof of the restaurant with um, an air conditioning guy and we had swamp coolers actually in mm-hmm. Marina Del Rey in Venice. They have those in Lubbock too. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> that's a shame. Um, but I've, I, I um, was going back down and kind of climbing on the, um, the burglar bars of the back door. I had two back entrances and the door just slipped. I fell. I just, I remember grabbing for the gutter because I just had a new uh, blacktop asphalt put in my, my back driveway. And I would just look down and I saw that I was going to hit hard. And me being as vain as I am, I no. looked down. I know. I looked down to see how far I had to go. And of course, that's when I impacted, but I was trying to roll because I did Baywatch years and years ago and they taught you how to roll. Oh, for real? When you fall on the sand, it's it's hard. Yeah. And they taught me and I I rolled, but I kept looking down to see how far I went. And I had just done, I mentioned earlier, the Friends 150th episode um, catering. And I had 150th show hat from Friends. And there was only like, you know, 100 of them made or 200. And that was my prized possession then. So that went into my forehead and my, oh my hairline. And of course it was stuck in there and there was, there was shit. There was like brain matter and gray <laughs> matter and all kinds of stuff. So, um, my employees kind of saw me fall, um, and rushed me to the hospital and I fed everybody at the hospital. So they're like, my place was called mama's back then. Mama's original pizza and pasta. Um, and they were like, mom is here. Mom is here. And then I went rushing in. I was like, save the hat. Just save the hat. <laughs> and they're like, dude, there's brain matter on there. We can't do that. So oh, gosh. Yeah, it was awful. And that is when I decided I'm going to just, you know, go home. I was, I was down for about a month. Um, and my mom flew out and took care of me. That's what moms do. <clears throat> and I just decided, you know, I had enough. Um, I was going to buy a fifth restaurant and I thought I just, I I'm spread too thin. Yeah. I'm Jewish. I kind of go to each restaurant every night and pick up the, the daily receipts and the deposits and all that. And I'm like, I just can't do this anymore. Um, and, and I was just tired. I was, and after 14 years, I was tired. Sure. Um, and that month probably gave you, you were down and it probably gave you that time to just but be I like, still hey. got the phone calls and I still woke up at three o'clock in the morning going, Oh, I forgot to order sweet and low. Or mm-hmm. I forgot to, you know, there's lemons on the back third shelf down in the walk-in that we need to rotate out. And I just, my mind was always going and yeah. I was just like, just take a breath. You know, these people, 
it would have just driven me sure to mm-hmm. even more drugs than so, I did and everything else. So in I mean, LA, no, yeah. not in LA. So I, you went to WT White High School, Dallas. I um, did. Family is living in Dallas, or as a kid, you're from Dallas. I'm born and raised in Dallas, and then my move, my mom moved to Las Vegas in the early '80s, and kind of left me and my brother on our own. He had just started with the Zales Corporation, and then later moved to Neiman Marcus and ran Precious Gems at Neiman Marcus for 17 years. Um, then transferred him here to Fort Worth. So once my brother had started having children in the eighties, mom kind of got her shit together and kind of came home, um, to nanny, my brother's kids, my niece and my nephew. And, um, I thought, you know, I'm just going to move to Miami. Oh, just another uh, calm yeah, spot. You've had enough of LA. Yeah. Another. Why not just relax a little? Uh, exactly. And I thought, you know what? Scott, just go right in the middle, go home. So I came to Fort Worth and I thought, you know, I'm three and a half hours anywhere I want to fly. I can go play in New York or, or go to a, a, spend a weekend in Miami or go back to LA or, or do whatever I want. I'm right in the middle of the country. Um, and I took off about a year and I kind of semi-retired. And I thought after about a year and three or four months, I was like, oh, I can't do this. Yeah. So I went to um, Silver Fox. A friend of mine said uh, that there was a restaurant opening and I thought, well, this is okay. I want to keep my toe in the water. I just don't want to have to swim. I want to be able to go home and go to sleep without waking up at three o'clock in the morning thinking, I forgot this lady's lemon squeeze on a hot tea or whatever used to wake me up. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have the orders and I didn't have the employees calling in. I didn't have 180 eight people depending on me. I had me. I slept at night. I woke up. I went to work. I only worked about 20 hours a week. I still work about 20 hours a week. And, and, and then I'll take off. If I get really tired, I'll take off for a month next month, next year. I'm going to be out of the country for like three months just to play and to go travel and do what I want to do. We'll, but, we'll get to that traveling here in just a bit. Um, yeah, what from uh, silver Fox, you go to Bistro Louise Bistro worked there at the same time, did lunches at Bistro and maybe a couple of dinners. If I had requests or call parties, as we call them in the business, um, then each restaurant knew that I was becoming very popular. Cause I'm the guy that would tell you dirty jokes at the table. And I was the guy that, that knew your kids. I mean, they were, you were pregnant at one time and I've grown with your children. And so I I'm, was very popular. I, well, I still am. <laughs> yes, you are. Yes, Just you me. Are. <laughs> um, but if, if I had a call party at one restaurant, I would call or the manager would call the other manager and was like, we really need him tonight. We've got, um, uh, the congressman coming in or we've got whoever used to go into Bistro Louise, we had everybody. So they would say, Oh, well, we really want Scott. We've got a guest in from out of town and we want them to be entertained and not just hello, sir, sit down. I'm your server, blah, blah, blah. They want fun. They yeah. want to have fun. Yeah. They want a little dirty joke here and there. And they want, they don't want just somebody with a towel over their arm just saying, yes, how may I serve you? And you know, it's my pleasure and all that. I'm like, uh, yeah, you really don't want that. It's, you know, it's not my favorite thing. It's like this. And, and I know what my people eat. And I'm like, you wouldn't like the sauce. You wouldn't want this. You would want, 
you know, the side, the, the starch to be different or the protein is, is too rich for you or whatever. I mean, I know you guys, I mean, yeah. I've fed you guys for years. So that's kind of it's one of the things that endears you to a lot of people in this town is that you, you take a, you put a little more attention to what your craft and it's, it's, it's incredible because you've made a long list of friends in this town, some pretty highfalutin people, if I might add, yeah. Mayor Price, one of them, a friend of the show. Yep, love uh, who else? Who else? Are you, who else? You become friends with? Oh, the the, the, uh, the Blackmans are my my other family. Um, all their children, um, all their house parties way back when. Debbie Blackman, when she and Greg were still married. Now it's Tiffany. Love you, Tiffany. Um, but there was a time when this woman walked into Bistro Louise and she was wearing a. Um, mink cape and a denim skirt and Cartier stilettos. Well, who knew Cartier made stilettos? And I'm just like, who is this bitch? She is kind <laughs> of fabulous. But, and she had a raspy voice. And then she's like, I, there's something about you I like. And I was like, there's everything about you that I like. A match made and, in heaven. <laughs> and she was on a regatta and, you know, everybody, uh, the, the, the ship sank that she was on and she, you know, people were jumping off of the, the raft and getting eaten by sharks and she made it. And I thought she was the most fascinating person and started doing their parties. And in turn, people that went to her parties would come see me at the restaurants and, and, uh, I would start doing their parties and their families would be starting. And, and so it's been kind of fun. It's, that's how podcasts work. We're told. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> the domino. Event. Yeah. Absolutely. When did, when did LRBs begin for you? LRB, it, my 11th anniversary was the 1st of June. So I've been there 11 years. Still enjoying it? Still enjoying the atmosphere? I, I love what I do. I love what I do. What do you it's have to, just, I was going to wait on this, but now, I mean, it's, it's because you're talking about so many of the positives of the, of this industry. What do you say to all the kids sitting on the couch right now who are not coming back to the service industry and working? I mean, what do you, what's your take on that? Yeah, whole it's going to turn around and bite them in the butt because I we reopened, we closed March thirteenth like everybody else, and then May seventh, right before Mother's Day last year, we started back up with curbside and things like that. Well, I didn't do curbside, and I I'm uh, older. I'm two to three times older than the kids that work at LRB. And I said, you know, whoever's got kids, whoever's got a family, whoever's got a wife, please give these shifts to them. You can make tips on curbside and this, that, and the other. So when they opened the restaurant back up, it was just Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night, mm -hmm. just for a few hours or a couple of hours actually. And half the tables were out of the restaurant and I would still get call parties. And I was like, well, I just moved my mother in to my condo and about 10 years ago and she's a little bit older. I'm getting a little bit older, even though I've lasted and lived through nine pandemics, you know, if Corona tried to come in my body, it would just be like, Oh hell, we don't have a chance with <laughs> <laughs> he's lived through everything. So, um, I finally went back and did call parties, um, little by little. Mm -hmm. And then I would do, um, curbside at waters downtown for John Bonnell um, on Sundays. Oh, and yeah. that was popular. And my customers, John Bonnell's restaurant was really long lines. It was like, you know, an hour in the line and yeah. it was like three miles down the road and people were waiting for, for curbside. And my customer would call and say, Hey, can't you get us up in, 
in the line and I was like, just come to Waters. We got the same food. They'd get out of line, drive to Waters, be there for six minutes, get the exact same food and tip me that. I mean, I'm not stupid. I'm still Jewish. I mean, that's, uh, it's all about the tips. Um, and I could share that with the people that I was working curbside with too. Sure so, you could. Well, I could. No, I really could. And it was fun for me because then I'd get people, you know, coming all the way from, you know, South Fort Worth yeah. up to, yeah. to downtown and they'd be home in the, the in less time than they'd still be sitting in line over at Bonnell's. So and they were like, well, let's just come to you from now on every Sunday. And I was like, oh, cool. In the, in the highlight before the, you know, the, the restful period, what was the craziest night at LRB's? Oh God. Craziest night at You probably get those call parties where you're like, I know this is going to be kind of crazy. Yeah. Well, we had a buyout for some of my favorite customers. They were just in a few weeks ago. Um, and it was just 15 of them in the back Are we naming names at this point? No, this, this we not, don't have to. No, 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 we do have one of those buttons that can bleed yeah. if you need it. <laughs> no, I'm not going to name names like that, but, but they, they, um, drank very fine, very fine wine and the party was fantastic. And it was just me and them. And like I said, I could tell dirty jokes and people were just people that were guests of theirs just looked at me like, where did this guy come from? They were just listening to the stories and, 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 and the dirty jokes and the, the performance of whatever I do when I go to work and uh, they're like, this guy's great. So that in turn gives me more customers and more sure. call parties to come sure. back and they're going to do another party with me. Uh, they told me three weeks ago um, in a couple of months for his big birthday, like, I think he turned 60. Yeah. That was, that was a big one We're for me too. We're narrowing it down now. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, and I'm going to narrow it down further and it, because this may not have been that, but best tip of your life and like party of how many? The best tip of my life was $2,744. What happened? To- it was a law firm and their bill only came out to 7000 Five hundred and seventy something dollars, and they had a ten thousand dollar budget and a ten thousand dollar check already pre-made to Silver Fox. This was Silver Fox's days, and um, and yeah, two thousand seven forty-four. That's great. Yeah. So there's a lot to Scott Berkman as we know him here in front of us. Yeah. There's more than just meets the eye, though. We we've been hearing about this this uh, this person this, this uh, I think her name is Ginger. Her name have you, is have Ginger. You, have you heard of Ginger? Do you know much I, about this person? She is my evil twin. She comes out on um, on vacations, and I I am the grand dame of of many um, trips, and <laughs> I do go all over the world. I'm gonna start going back to um, work. Uh, in October and I will be in um, Key West and Jamaica and Cayman Islands and Cozumel in October and early November. What does Ginger do for her profession? Ginger's just kind of fantastic. I mean, it's all custom costumes and very think very Cher and JLo and uh, she's gotten a little older now, so she doesn't do exactly what she used to be able to do. So now I'm kind of the grand dame and the ambassador for the group that I go with, which is about 250 to 300 people. Wow. Uh, 
in each trip. So we take over either um, half of the cruise line or we will go to a resort and take over the, the whole resort. And it's my job to go make people come to see the show because it's mm-hmm. private for us and free for us and, and our group. But people see the entertainers and they're like, well, we want to come to the next show. And we're, and we're like, okay, well, it's 20 bucks ahead and it's this, that, and the other and bring cash to tip. Uh, I mean, all the shit in free doesn't <laughs> just happen. Um, so uh, I've, 1984 is when I started this. So, you, so you've been all over, the, all over the world with, with ginger all over the world. So traveling light is, is not an option. Uh, no, no. See, Craziest I, locale night there. You can just say locale. You don't even have to explain what happened. I'm probably Puerto Vallarta. Puerto Vallarta is a, something about uh, Mexico, free, huh? Pacific coast game. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Palm Springs, Puerto Vallarta had great times and oh, great times everywhere. Where's your favorite place you've ever been? Cayman Islands. Cayman Islands. The Caymans are my, are my jam. That's where your bank account is for all the tips? Oh, don't. The $2,000 plus tips? money right now. <laughs> yeah, we, we <laughs> learned. I just had we, a really we, bad experience with, with money and cash. And yeah, we stuff. just learned before Scott went on air that he got robbed um, a few yeah. days ago at his house by the clean, possible cleaning lady. Yeah. No, no, con- no, the probable cleaning lady. Probable I don't have other people come into the upstairs part of my house. Right. Um, unless they're staying over and that hasn't happened in a while. So <laughs> we'll get into that later. <laughs> um, we're going to backtrack a little bit, but back in the, in the, in the Vegas days, you attended UNLV prior to un, union, UNT here in town, but you, you were a frequenter of, of the star club, uh, the Stark club, Stark yeah. club, excuse Stark me. Star club was earlier earlier um no i'm sorry it wasn't um vegas was earlier what had happened was um in the 70s Cher was very popular and i'm this little gay guy and i'm just like i watched sunny and Cher, and i my mom had long dark hair and i was really confused when i was little and i thought well my mom is in the, the, the living room in the kitchen but I'm in the back of the house in the office watching Sonny and Cher. So I'd run down the hallway and, and have to look to see how my mom was on TV and in the kitchen at the same time. Oh, yeah. And I was really confused. <laughs> so um, at one point when segregation and busing was happening and we were being taken out of our, our schools and, and shipped to other schools, um, my Mother and father decided I'll go live with my dad over by North Park Mall. And so I moved in with my dad and former military, correct? He was former military, but he ran another jewelry company, Napier Jewelry Company at the time. And um and his friends were were like my um godfather was Jim Ali from Jim Ali Oldsmobile and Bruce Lane who invented the Slurpee. Mm. These were my dad's best friends. Mm-hmm. So there was always money. And my dad had a white silver cloud Rolls Royce, but he had flown up to Lake Texoma where we have a boat. Every weekend we would go up there. Well, this weekend I decided to stay home and Cher was opening in Las Vegas after the divorce, after Sonny and Cher had uh, had gone off the air. And that Rolls Royce was in the carport. And I thought, well, I got to go to Vegas. Dallas Left Field is only, you know, six miles away. And so I, I 
got some cash and I just took the, the, um, Rolls Royce to love field and bought a Southwest airline flight at the counter at the counter. Cause you could do that back then. Um, and didn't have to show ID. You didn't have to do all that. You just bought a ticket. You got on a plane, you went anywhere, got in a taxi, went to Caesar's palace, mapped out, you know, where Circus Maximus was back then. This wasn't the Caesars that we have today. It was just a big W-shaped, big thing, uh, big hotel with the the fountain that Evil Knievel had just jumped over, you know, mm-hmm. years before. And so it was a smaller place. And then I saw the tickets were like seventeen fifty and to thirty-seven fifty, two drinks included. And <laughs> I was like, Well, I can't afford that. I don't have enough money. So I had that law firm in town. You would have (laughs) given me that tip. (laughs) So I went poking around Caesar's palace and I found the kitchen entrance. And then I just walked through the kitchen and all of a sudden there was these red velvet curtains and I looked inside and it was the circus Maximus theater. And I thought, Oh, well I could just sneak in the kitchen and just go pick out my, my seat. First one, in, in the center stage, the tables came off of the stage and I was like, oh, this is fantastic. I'll be, you know, right in front of the stage and she'll be right there. And, and, um, then I got caught. Um, they were starting to let people in to the Circus Maximus theater. And, uh, of course there's security up front and all the hostesses or the waitresses you know, dressed like I dream a genie. We're like, well, dude, this is my table. I didn't know about tables and sections and this, that, and the other back then I was 13, 12. I don't know what I was. And, um, they were like, well, you can't sit here. Where, where are your parents? And I was like, Oh, well, I'm here, you know, by myself. And, and they were like, so they went back up the stairs and past all the big uh, red booths that were there, you know, the tufted booths and security was coming down. And there were these two black ladies um, that were sitting on the side of the stage, the wings of the stage. And they're like, Hey boy, boy, come here. <laughs> and it turned out to be the, the, the aunts of one of the dancers to meet a Joe. And we became friends that night. And for 20 years after that, um, and they pulled me up on stage and there was an extra chair on the wings of the stage behind the long red velvet curtains. And so I sat on stage that the people never saw me again that were down on the floor waiting tables because I was covered by these curtains. And, um, and so I, I watched the show from side stage and, and a waiter was born. Well, a waiter was born, but a little, a little gay guy got to go back into Cher's dressing room and with, with the dancer and the aunts and Cher came out of her bathroom in a little pink terry cloth shower, um, Velcroed thing, pulling a wig on, but just beaming and and the makeup that she wore was just shiny and everything was just shiny and everything was slow motion and chastity was in the corner. Well, now it's chess, but chastity was in the corner playing a little white baby grand piano. And so I kind of walked over and sat next to chastity and I'm like, Hey chastity. And she's like, hi. And uh, we started playing, you know, just 
uh, playing the, the piano a little bit. And um, Sherry's like, who is this guy, this kid? And um, her manager comes over and, and starts talking to me. And um, she just wanted to make sure, because I told him my story that I'd taken my dad's car and I bought a plane ticket. And I came <laughs> just to see Cher. And he's like, oh, well, dude, this is not good. Um, but like I said, back in the day, you just did, you could do things like that, but Cher wanted to make sure that I was okay. She got my home address. She made sure that her manager, Billy Samoth, who just passed recently, um, followed up and made sure that I got home. And about 10 days later, I got this huge package in the mail and it was, you know, 200 eight by tens of share and a, a tour jacket and a, a backpack mm. from back in the day. So every Thanksgiving, me and my dad would go back to Vegas because share always played um, around Thanksgiving and, mm -hmm. and uh, we went and saw red Fox and um, Ann Murray back in the day. And Ann Margaret was there and this was just the heyday of Vegas and Cher was there and we could always go backstage. And, um, you know, my dad back in the day was not the most PC guy, but he's like, I don't want to go see the Indian singing and blah, blah, blah. And finally, when he walked back into her dressing room, he was just like, I, 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 yeah. I, I, I he was tongue tied and mm -hmm. stunned. And he was like, I cannot believe that you brought me here. And here we are in her dressing room. And I was like, Oh, just relax, dad. It's just share. Huh. And so it was, it's very funny. So we, um, kept in touch and, and through my time in LA years later, um, she would, uh, donate things to, uh, Elton John had a charity, um, and, and, uh, the AIDS foundation that I was heavily a part of would, would do, uh, raffles and silent auctions and things like that. So I would just call Billy Samus office and say, Hey, I need, you know, this or that or whatever from share. And she would sign something and send it over and it could be auctioned off for a couple of grand. And so it was my, my, um, give back and my contribution back to, I mean, age was crazy then, um, by the time I got to LA. Um, but I, I just, I made a lifelong friend. Pretty much. Yeah. That's and, a great story. Yeah, that's for sure. Thank you for sharing. And yeah. Yeah. we don't yeah. need to be here, Brendan. We just give him a mic and let him start talking. <laughs> I know. You, you need your own podcast. I told you I got tales to tell. Got, we yeah. Two more questions. We'll let you go. Scott, um, that you mentioned the start club and there's a raid you talk about. Can you describe yeah, that real I quickly? I forget what year it was. My God, we were all doing so much shit. Um, <laughs> like dancing. Just yeah. Dancing. Yeah. Dancing. Yeah. That's it. Um, but I was there the, the famous night of the raid. Um, I remember going, it was a very windy night. And I remember the long white curtains just blowing in the breeze. And I went in, we were having a good time. We went downstairs to the, it was called the dungeon. And we were doing bad things in the bathroom to each other and uh, <laughs> to ourselves. And, and this is going to be our best show ever. And, <laughs> um, there were TVs in the, uh, the bathroom stalls. I remember that. And there would be six or seven of us in a stall doing, mm -hmm. you know what we were doing. And 
Then the raid happened. All the the music stopped. The lights came up. We ran out into the dungeon and the police were like everybody up against the wall. Don't look at us. And they kind of gave everybody a free pass. By this time, they had moved everybody upstairs to the, the dance floor was the dungeon part. And then there was back rooms as well. Um, but we were downstairs and they made everybody go up the stairs and face the wall. And they said, no questions asked, no matter what you have in your pockets, that shouldn't be in your pockets. Um, ecstasy, cocaine, whatever. It was the, back in the, the heyday of, of Coke and everybody had little amber bottles. I mean, we didn't do baggies. That was for the trashy people. Um, so they were like just the class like, system of drugs. Exactly. There was, there, there actually was back then. Um, but they said, no questions asked, whatever you have in your pocket. If your ecstasy was in a baggie or whatever, throw it over your shoulder. If you have a Coke or whatever, crystal was big back then. And, and they said, just throw it over your shoulder. All you could hear was this tink, 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 thousands No one in there didn't reach for their pocket, huh? Oh, hell no. Nobody, you couldn't go in that place sober. And that's all you heard for about three minutes. It was, it was ear shattering. All the amber bottles just, it was crazy. It was actually crazy. And then we all got shown out the front door and I think Start Club was closed and then reopened not long after that, but I, I kind of went back up. there. It was yeah. not the same. Yeah. And, and kids don't do drugs. All right. So besides okay. what you just described, which may have been the answer to this question, <laughs> yeah. uh, what was the best day of your life? I well, mean, even this year, you know. Oh, God. I've, I've had so many experiences, guys. I mean, honestly, I don't have a favorite day. I, I honestly don't. Probably when I was a little kid and walked into Cher's dressing room and yeah. was not just arrested. Um, yeah. I mean, you, something was on your side that day, you know? Yeah. yeah. Her name was Cher and, <laughs> and, and I was really lucky. Um, and then I, I was friends with her for years and years and years. And I mean, I don't have the sway that I have now. And, um, but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of emulate her when I do go on the cruises or we take over a resort or a hotel or whatever in some faraway land um, you know, I can do my part. Yeah. And I was at RuPaul's drag con, you know, not last year cause it was COVID, uh, but the year before that and everybody knew who Ginger was and, you know, <laughs> so it was, it was fun. I mean, all the stars of RuPaul's drag race knew me too. And I was like, well, I'm around. I'll still be around just <laughs> like Cher. Well, Scott Berkman, thank you for joining us. Hey, Debbie, Where I can people it. find you? Uh, Ellerby's. Ellerby Fine Foods. Um, Yep, usually Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night. And then um, I go have cocktails around the city. So if you don't know Scott Berkman, make a point to go meet him. He's fascinating, as you probably just heard, but he's worth knowing. He's a good dude, and we everybody loves you in this town. So thank you for the time. Thanks, Thanks Scott. Too, thank, thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Absolutely.